Hello everybody. Today we are here in the Bridge Radio Studio. We have two guests. One of our guest name is Therese Christian from Philippine community and the other guest is uh, Leila Vetraline from Greenland community in Copenhagen. And uh, Catherine is a host with me. Uh, hello. And uh, of course, Barlit Shuba is our uh, technique. So today we are talking about breaking stereotypes and when we are talking about violence. So we start from Therese. Uh, please, can you introduce yourself? Thank you. Thank you for having us over. Um, my name is Therese Christensen, and I work as a special consultant for Southeast Asian community in in a project uh, in Dana Crisis Center or Crisis Center. And Leila, can you also uh, present yourself? Hi, my name is Leila Wetterlein. I work with the Greenlandic community in Denmark, and I also come from the Crisis Center Dana. Super. And um, yeah, I'm also just going to tell uh, the listeners what is going to happen today. And the two of you are going to uh, read aloud some different testimonies from the Southeast Asian community and the Greenlandic community about uh, violence and both structural violence and domestic violence and uh, also something about the kind of social violence you experience when you come to, uh, to Denmark. Um, and yeah, for me, it's important to say that this violence, it's not only in ethnic groups, it happens everywhere. And um, we're not talking about these issues to demonize men, it's to uh, bring awareness to the, yeah, to the structural problems about violence and how to move forward and how to, uh, yeah, to break the stereotypes and find solutions about, uh, yeah, finding solutions for these problems. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, so today uh, I'm very excited to talk about this woman issue, about violence and, uh, you know, many problems is going on in Denmark and all over the world. So I also visit your office. Yes, yes. The reason why, <laughs> the reason why, because this is also for me, it's really heartbroken. I, I meet so many women, they have violence with the relationship and husband. So today uh, it's uh, it's really helping our talk to yeah to help like men and women we are not saying like men are bad or women always a victim just generally we talk about what's happening uh, yeah so i i would like to ask you uh, uh, Therese, what are the stereotype you face when you are talking about violence there are several stereotypes when we talk about violence, especially that I'm working with the Southeast Asian community. Um, I have people asking me that if I'm sure that the ones who are the violators or the perpetrators are actually um, Danes. And it saddens me that uh, there is this idea, which is, it is not possible for Danes to be violent because they are trying to pr to 
to pinpoint that it is another ethnic minority group that are actually violent. So that is one thing that I have. And also, there are also several types when they talk about the women, um, when it comes to the, the women who are being subjected to violence are actually non-educated or uneducated. They are not um, resourceful. And uh, they are sometimes harsh, harshly criticized as dumb for going back to the husband or the, the violent partner. So those are some of the stereotypes or the, st the yeah, you can say, the things that I've encountered. Maybe you want to uh, read one of the, um, the testimonies from, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, I'll share one of the stories, actually, that I have encountered in in my work for the last six years. Um, this is a story about a woman and um, and her fight when it comes to experiencing violence. So it starts when, when I look back and try to exactly point out the violent episodes we have had in our marriage, it is hard as there were so many. But there is one thing that always sticks to memory, and that was how damaging it was for my psyche to be constantly accused of something I was not guilty of doing. He made me crazy with his accusations. I felt caged. I just gave birth and balancing how to be a good mom and a good wife. I admit I'm not proud of my weakness for trying to commit suicide twice, but it was the only escape I could think of then. It was during summer when he came home from work and the conversation started with, how was your day? Why are you wearing shorts and sleeveless shirt? Why are you in the balcony? Are you cheating on me with our neighbor? You're such a whore. And his good night sweet nothings would be, are you a slut? Why are you wearing that to bed? Are you waiting for someone to come inside the apartment to fuck you when I leave for work? Slut. So that is one of the stories that I have. Wow. It's amazing. Thank you, Therese. She is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you read it, actually, <laughs> and you like her. So thank you so much. And uh, next we have a song. But maybe we can also ask, like, what is it from this story? What, what do you want to, uh, to bring out from this story to maybe to other people who are in the same situation? I think one of the things that I want to highlight in this one is that uh, in this situation, she was just, she was just, I used the word just because sometimes psychological violence is just, is just considered a just, not as par as when you talk about physical violence. But this one, the experience of this woman is actually detrimental to her uh, psyche. It was really hard for her to to go on with deciding for herself because she was bombarded every day about this situation, about her not being good enough, about her not being a good mother, about her um, cheating on her husband. And for some women who actually, especially for this case that I've had, she just gave birth and <laughs> she had so a hard time without a network and being into a situa situation that she is isolated was really tough. And for her to actually try to attempt suicide twice, oh. that meant psychological violence was really tough to navigate and be not being even criminalized in Denmark. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, can I ask one more question? Sure. Uh, do you have a guideline or stra strategies to break out of this violence? 
guidelines. I, I actually wrote a little bit about it, and I, I thought about three points. I, I would say that powerful women or resourceful women, I'd say those who are are considered a privilege in the community, have a very big, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, power to help these women who are in isolated situation. Um, the privilege that they have, they can actually bring up other women and in, in to be in that uh, level of equality. Okay. Um, and also that breaking out of a violent relationship or breaking out in uh, breaking out in that s scenario that I described earlier is not easy. So it needs to. We need to, as a society, I think we need to strip off the idea that we have gender equality in Denmark. I know that uh, Denmark is quite known for the happy country in the world, happiest country in the world, but there is some gray areas that we have to discuss. And talking about thinking that Denmark has gender equality is, I would say, is a perceived illusion. And this is not offered to everyone, especially to the migrant women yeah. in Denmark. Do you want to add? <laughs> okay, um, and then you choose chose a song, yeah. and maybe you can just introduce the song and why you chose it. I chose the song Brown Brown. Uh, it's uh, a rap, a Filipino rap uh, by wim Filipino women trying to break the stereotypes that we are, as a Southeast Asian women, are so Filipinas perceived to be um, submissive and uh, submissive basically, because you could listen to the lyrics of the song, and, and it is in a different uh, dialects and Filipino language. And so it's a blend of Filipino dialect, uh, Filipino language, and English. So you can listen to it and how powerful it is to to have brown, brown sisters fighting for their rights. So Good. there's brown, brown for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Back my hammer, it's warfare when you see me. Send you a lie for my country. 
I live and die for my country. I kill a pig in a white hooded suit on the low for my country. They got evil plans in the devil's hands, but I don't pray because I organize. They got new ways to impose strength, but I teach mine how to mobilize. We don't fight for the money, for the greedy, for the white man. All we want is our freedom and the right to live on our motherland. Island woman dies, walang makakatigil Brown, brown woman rise, alamin ang yung ugat They got nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us Island woman rise, walang makakatigil Brown, brown woman rise, alamin ang yung ugat They got nothing on us Nothing on us Nothing on us It is some bucks up God is a guerrilla warfare in every lifetime We don't take no shit except the oppressor's lifeline If you step out of your line I will protect what's mine Kahit merong rosario Sino maglilikas sa'yo? Puro dugo, pukut ululo Mulat sa dagat, tanggam mo to Proclaim it with sauce, the high and the low These women are God, you already know We don't sleep with the water, the rain in the village The river runs red, you'll be dead in a minute Like never's for nine, just have you beheaded Fuck with my tribe, frequently regret At an ikaw sa kamay, ang isang mikropono sabay At ang tapang ko, kaya nanginay At halimaw nang sumasabay Mga baran nyo, lahat sa blight Mga rappers na puro bagay Tinamaan ko, lahat patay Kaya walang mag-iingay I got that Filipino phenotype Kayo mag-imustiso white But give me that moreno like That roofie or a kenotype My dollars they be speaking like Those Bali songs and bolo knife I breathe the ether, need no hype Two tongues are sharper with the mic I need no end my history life From a land where breathing is breathing tight They feed until one piece of might Just turn and see no, see no light Hacienda like I see no right Rodrigo vigilante type They kill my teeth, no stuff and right With smoke and mirrors fill the night so let it be known, if you don't already. Pinayas have always been part and parcel, if not imperative and critical to the struggle. Filipinas are no strangers to wielding our own power. Of all the privileges that exist in this world, none of which you may be a benefactor of, there is at least one you bear. And that is the privilege of having been born a Filipina. Your DNA contains building blocks made from the mud of over 500 years of resistance and survival. And when you are ready, sis, we'll be right here. Island woman rise, walang makakatigil. Brown, brown woman rise, alamin ang yung ugat. They got nothing on us. Nothing on us. Nothing on us. Nothing on us. Island woman rise, walang makakatigil. Brown, brown woman rise, alamin ang yung ugat. They got nothing on us. Nothing on us. Nothing on us is some bucks up. Thank you so much for sharing the song with us. It was really nice. And maybe you can uh, tell just a little context of the song. Well, I just was sharing earlier that I really love it for the fact that they're talking about women, 
well for this music it's filipino women we came from a dna of women who are fighters so we should actually rec recognize that and i'd love that to to share it to the community as well so and it's a collaborative uh, single by different filipino women from philippines and also in the u.s so yeah super and um, now i would like to before um, we or you read aloud this uh, testimony, we are not uh, going to speak to Leila. Maybe you can also uh, explain a little bit about the the work you've been doing, maybe with Dana and maybe also with uh, the Green Lake community in general. Yes, definitely. I've been working with Greenlandic people for now um, five years. At first, I was not interested in working with ethnicity. I was actually really tired of it since I'm both Greenlandic and Danish and everybody has uh, a meaning about it. But I started working, working with Greenlandic people at a shelter and I realized they met so many barriers because they were from Greenland. There was a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of well-meaning social workers who were actually trying to do their best. but. Um, but the Greenlandic people didn't get the help that they were supposed to because they're often very quiet and they're shy and there are so many barriers for them. So I start I start getting interested in ethnicity and the barriers that different migrant people meet in Denmark. And now I'm working at Danner as a special consultant where I travel around Den uh, Denmark to tell the Greenlandic community that they actually have the right to help if they're living in a violent relationship because I realized in the many years I've been working with the Greenlandic community that a lot of the women are subjected to violence but nobody really knows that. They don't see that. So this is the biggest um, part of my work is telling them they have a right to live without violence and I will help them as much as I can to get the help that they need to break violence. Perceived stereotype with the Greenlandic community that they are drinking and uh, that's their social problem and that's the only thing. Yeah. I actually had a case once, um, which is very troubling because a lot of people are like, "Oh, she's. Um, we've been trying to help her, but she doesn't really want to get the help. We put her in all this special housing at shelters and special offers for people who have a lot of social problems, but she like, uh, she don't want to live there, so she cannot be helped. So I started to talk to her and listening to her story, and I realized she didn't have massive social problems. They thought she was abusive of alcohol, of marijuana, and some thought she was really dumb as well, that she wasn't able to reflect. And I realized she was a very typical Greenlandic girl. Where she's, she's really quiet and she's shy. And Danish is her second language. So s therefore she misses a lot of the nuances when she tries to speak. But when she speaks Greenlandic, she just opens up. And I realized she was a really smart girl. Her major problem was that she has been subjected to physical violence and psychological violence and economic violence and <laughs> and everything. That was her problem. So whenever the Danish government tried to help her and they put her in a shelter where people were heavily abusing alcohol and drugs, she didn't feel at home. She actually felt more safe with an abusive guy 
So that was her biggest problem. But nobody saw that because they expected she was a typical Greenlandic person with a lot of problems, which she wasn't. And I'm gonna yeah ask you more about this with the also the structural violence and how to break with the these stereotypes. Um, um, but maybe if you want to share the uh, the story that you chose to share with us. He grabbed my arm, dragging me away from the people where no one sees it. Nobody knows. Everyone thinks he's good, so sweet, so nice, so attentive and caring. The first time I left him, he told so many lies about me. My friends didn't want to have anything to do with me. Now they think I'm nasty. They think I'm evil. And I'm tired of asking for help and being met with prejudice. There is nobody who sees me. Mm. That was her own words, actually. The one, the case that I just referred to. That was how she described it to me after we've been working quite some time. And what um, what strategies do you use other than this that when talking to her and understanding uh, her point of view? Like, what strategies are there to kind of break these um, also stereotypes in the in the society or the organization that wants to help but don't get it get the situation? Um, many times I actually participate as a translator. I come there and I prepare the social worker and say she's a really quiet person and you need to listen. And I, I try to uh, tell them the case that I'm bringing in because I know it's really hard. Um, when you've been exposed to these kind of things and you have to go in and meet social workers too, people that you have never met before and you're going to share the most intimate things about your life to these people and they're going to make a judgment. That is a very hard for a person who's been subjected to this. And she's been telling her story. Uh, well, the women have been telling their story to a lot of people before me usually. So sometimes I actually just take over and tell their story and I try to help them with the interview when they meet the social workers because otherwise, I unfortunately, I have learned that a lot of the nuances and the perspectives get lost. Mm. So th that's one thing I try to do. Yeah, uh, okay, we hear from you, Laila and Therese. Uh, I would like to ask both of you one question. What is the difference between mentally and physical torture as you are working in Dana Christ Center? I think I want to use um, the word violence, like physical and psychological violence since torture is when you're violent towards somebody when you're but you're trying to get a certain information and what I've seen during my work when violence is not always that you're aiming for a specific something in your partner the one you're going to beat up or something it's um it can be Um, and and it <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry, I, but I, I do like th the word um, phys uh, psychological and physical violence. The thing is that physical violence does not come without psychological violence. We've seen many times that I think ninety. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, ninety-eight percent of the women are actually f subjected to psychological violence before they are subjected to physical violence. 
physical violence is the the what do you call that the manifestation of psychological violence basically um and also i could you can add uh, i'll just have to point this out before i forget that psychological the difference between the two is that okay maybe the similarity between the two is that it's both detrimental to to the women experiencing it the only thing difference is that psychological violence is not criminalized while physical violence is so also one thing is that physical violence leaves visible marks for anyone to see and psychological violence it's very hard to see one of the cases that i had was that she actually ended up believing all these lies that he was telling about her he told her that she's been cheating and doing terrible things and because she's been alone with him and listening to his accusations at some point she started questioning was i the one who actually cheated what actually happened and that is psychological violence and it's very very hard to to for everyone else to see you also said this with uh, that it's difficult to talk to the community or to the social workers about these things can you just talk about how to use uh, the community around you to deal with some of these uh, violence, either physical or, or psychological? I think first, uh, you can add, uh, I think f the community has the power to help the women subjected to violence um, by first breaking the stereotypes and understanding the stereotypes around it. And then when we do understand it, we, we do... We do not, uh, we have less prejudice. So from there, we can actually um, listen to their experiences and not generalize each, uh, each, for each woman or each woman has a different story. So there's a tendency to generalize one ethnic group, one group of women. So if we avoid that and listen, listen to their stories, we might, we can actually reach them. Um, yeah. And yes. And in terms of the community, I think what's with the Greenlandic community is that they're really good at talking about violence, but they're not as good as asking for help. So one thing that they could do was take each other to the police, go with each other, be two, because then it's it, ma it can make it a bit easier. Another thing is that Lila pointed out earlier about language how important language is. It's for most of the women that we have encountered or assisted in the, the last six years. Um, Danish, although they, they go to the Danish language courses, there are things that are not translated in English, like the Ulening law, it still is in Danish, and they need special people to actually translate this to them. So the community, I, I would highlight that it would be the Danish community who can actually help out and breaking this down to them um, by yeah by translating things for them uh, just being there as well I just recently realized how many metaphors that Danish people use because they are so hard to translate <laughs> <laughs> and also I want to share a little bit about how detrimental or how how hard psychological violence is when it comes to a woman who's experiencing it. When I started the project or when I started working in the project, I was always, I was well versed with the theory, but never saw how the effect on a woman is really. 
So when I first saw um, a case wherein she was married for two years, and the first thing she told me was that she, her husband never hit her, never. She, she breaks all the stereotypes that you could say. She's a very well-educated woman, also um, had been working at a top management level. But when she, when after several counseling sessions that I've had with her, she told, I can see the, the effect of psychological violence. When she doubts small things from, is it right for me to buy this cook and roll or the toilet kitchen towel? Because he said that this is the, the right, not the right one. Maybe I'm so stupid for taking this education mm. because he said that I'm stupid. Those are the things that she had constant in her head when we talk about and and I can see how that two years broke down all the years that she's been building herself up and it was really hard for her to get back on back on on her two feet again. Mm -hmm. so. And then you also you have one more story um, that you wanted to share with us. Yeah. This is again from one of the women that I encountered. I told everyone that I was going to Denmark. I was going to get an education. I was going to live the good life. And he said that he would help me. The first night we drove down a path and it felt like an eternity. I asked if this was where he lived and he did not answer. He said he would pick me up shortly after but it took 11 hours. For the first time in my life, I was alone in a country I thought I knew, but I was a stranger. I, sh I was not supposed to educate myself, apparently. I was just supposed to be his. This, is, um, this story is quite interesting for me because even though we have a unity of the realm within Denmark, Greenland and Faroe Islands, we're often surprised that these three countries are so very different. They are differently organized and the cultures is so different. And this woman thought that she knew everything about the society and then she ended up in this violent relationship with a Danish guy who promised her everything, who gave her nothing. And after some time she fled because she found, found a friend in a different municipality and she fled. When she asked for help from the municipality, they were like, oh, um, you don't have your address here, so we cannot help you. You have to go back to your former municipality. They will help you. And when she tried to contact them and say, I need some help to get out of this, they were like, uh, yeah, you're not in our municipality right now, so we cannot help you. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very difficult thing because for the she was a migrant woman even though she's from Greenland, she does not know our welfare system, which is very, very complex. And it actually says that if the municipalities disagree who is supposed to handle a case, they have to figure it out themselves. It is not our problem as citizens. But that is not uh, what happens. So I think that is one of the major structural barriers as well, that the countries are very different. It's very hard for migrant women to navigate through to the system that yeah. it is in a different language and basically yeah it's yeah. like a totally different world and also they're completely isolated these women when they come to Denmark they don't really know anyone
which makes him very hard to break break with the violence. Mm. Yeah, it's just can you elaborate a little bit more about this structural violence like you both have a lot of experience with uh, women who encounter these structural barriers um and maybe it's an it's other things you have to break these kind of structures do you have like suggestions for how to organize against these structural barriers because it's yeah it's a different thing than domestic violence Right now we are organized in a big group called MOVE where we have both uh, practitioners and activists and researchers all working in some way with violence and migrant women where we try to together to break all these structural barriers that are when it comes to migrant women in Denmark. Yeah, we we have been, since we have been working in this field, we have seen so many gray areas that we brought up in that in that uh, move um, initiative and then we talked about when when we talk about so structural barriers i would first say that for family unified women their visas are dependent on their husbands their extension of visas is still dependent whether they they follow certain um, regulations under the family unification rules and and that is one thing uh, that that is quite powerful for for somebody who who has the right who has to say and who has the hold of somebody of the spouse for example i'm not just saying that it is going to be women alone because i know i have a um, i have also encountered cases wherein um it's a male under family unification and the idea of taking the kid away is dangled against him as well so the structure which is the visa is dependent upon the spouse is giving the spouse the power over another who's supposed to be on an equal footing if we call it, uh, t- talk about marriage is equal. Uh, so that's one thing. And oh, can I just, what move, what, is, uh, what does it stand for? Yeah. This organization, <laughs> yeah. It stands for migration, obstacle, violence, and equality. And have you done anything like um, what what is the plan of the organization now to do? It is still very early for our organization, it's but an it's an in initiative that just started, but we've actually tried to engage within the debate. We're bringing some of these stories that Therese and our coworkers are meeting. And we're bringing these stories to all these great, great minds who are writing um, the Baden Lake. Yeah. Yeah, deb- uh, they're writing the family, and we're organizing events within Talktown, and we're trying in any way possible that we can to to change and shake, to shake it a bit and change the the rhetoric when you call it when you talk about violence because it is not just to a specific ethnic group. Violence is a shared problem to everybody, universal problem basically. So that's what we're trying to point out, and also that through MOVE we would like that the Istanbul Convention is very good in paper (laughs) but practice is not as good as we'd say. And maybe just Istanbul Convention is this convention that uh, Denmark Denmark have uh, ratified but not put into the law and maybe you can just explain what the Istanbul Convention is. 
But Istanbul Convention is the final acknowledgement that women have the right to live a life without violence. Regardless of their visa status. Exactly, and we're supposed to do that. But in Denmark, we have this blind spot that we think all the problems come from the Arabic or Muslim minority. So we make all the laws regarding to them. So we make it so difficult for family unification because we have this idea that if the guy come up, he's going to bring his entire family to Denmark. There's a l- People are scared of the... I'm so sorry. Um, this is my <laughs> third language, so it's a bit difficult, but... They're so scary, so they make the p- uh, policies uh, focusing on the Muslim and Arabic minorities, which makes it very, very difficult for these women who are actually um, who are supposed to be protected by the Istanbul Convention. We have a case with a woman who have who had a child with a man who was very, very abusive, and when she one day tried to flee, she was supposed to prove her um, probability of violence from happening and uh, so she's going to be assessed with immigration r- rules uh, about her attachment to Denmark and that is tough uh, to prove because attachment to Denmark is based on whether they have a common kid um, has she been in a Danish language school has she been working what is basically what is her attachment or how good is she attached to Denmark so what she did was she actually went back to the ex-husband because her daughter was with a man so because she told she said to me on the phone that Therese my attachment my only attachment is with him because she he has her daughter so we went back but although there are those different things the fear of the the huge fear about about um, the Danish policies against the migrant women is so so tangible I could say that they would they would risk it going back because they could not get a 50-50 decision because it's scary for now. Okay, because then I think we need uh, a song and you chose one, so maybe you, uh, Leila, so maybe you can uh, just present it. Yes, it is Nanook and it's called which means the sun will shine on us.
Okay, great. So we have uh, such a wonderful time in Bridge uh, Radio Studio. So Therese, she will continue to share uh, one story more, please. Okay. Um, just one second. Here we go. I was 25 and he was 27. I fell in love. He said he loved me back. We got married and so I uprooted my entire life to be with him in Denmark. We started a family. Fast forward, I gave birth, everything hurt, everything hurt. He wants me, he said. I didn't want it. I was still hurting from childbirth. It was just after a week that I gave him a daughter. But he wanted me. He always gets what he wants. One daughter after another, then one day he bought us a one-way ticket to my home country. He said he didn't want us anymore. What about the children, I cried. He shrugged his shoulders. Shrugged like his kids were nothing but an afterthought. He would think about visiting us when he wanted to, he said. Tickets printed, it was a Thursday. We needed, we needed to leave Denmark on a Sunday. Trash, he considered us nothing but trash. He considered our children as trash. Well, can you explain a little bit more about... I, I, this one, uh, there's a lot of stories that struck me most but I mean struck me and always always gives gets you teary-eyed and uh, hate or something you, you just have to do something about it but this one was uh, really a story that I, I I wanted to share because of the the, the purely descriptive um, an equal power when it comes to a woman and her visa status dependent on the man um, that he has the right to just say, 
I don't want to have a um, child or I don't have I don't want to have the responsibility of the children anymore so you can just fly back to wherever you came from and uh, and unfortunately this has been happening to so many women that they have they've encountered this and for some women they they actually do fly back to to the Philippines for example because they do not know where to go and for lucky her for her she had a network that was able to patch through in different ways and we were able to assist her but for some i get um messages whether i could help somebody who's already in the philippines with their kids who are danish citizens actually if they can go back to denmark so yeah thank you for sharing yeah it's very sad uh, of course we have a lot of sad story I also, to be honest, against men. The reason why I heard a lot of heartbroken story from different women. Mm -hmm. I by myself have very bad experience <laughs> with men. But anyhow, how end up this violence uh, as you work in Dana, how it's end up or how it solved the problem at the end? with the women, the victims, women, they are coming to your center. Uh, when you talk about ending it, I mean, like, free life after? Uh, I mean, uh, for example, when they visit Dana Center, yeah. how long they stay? Oh. Or some of them, if they have, again, back to their husband or, uh, you know. Okay, two things. Um, for some of the women, they do go back to their husbands. Okay. It's because it's really tough for them to... I actually had a ca um, earlier a call. Uh, just this morning, she was telling me a story that she was embarrassed to go back to the crisis center because she was there before, uh, she in a different crisis center, and she felt that she's to blame for going back to the husband. And that is one thing that most of the women who are experiencing violence have. They have the shame that it is their fault that they actually went back to the husband but as for been working in this field and also for, uh, I think, for the community to understand that it is really hard for the woman to just pack up and leave because, of course, they started with a relationship with love. So sometimes they want to work it out. Uh, for the women, for some of the women that I assisted, the conceptualization of family is really important, that they have to have mother, father, children in that same picture. And their identity as a woman is reflected whether they're successful in holding that family. So... They do go back to the husband, and then they come back again. Our job is not to force them to get out of the abusive relationship, because in that marriage setting that they've had, they already lose their power to decide for themselves. So it's not our job to push them, because we are trying to give them back what they've lost, which is the decision to do whatever it is that they need to do for themselves. And so when, we go when they go back to, to their husbands, we they come back to us again, and they ask if it's still possible for them to get assistance. And of course, there's no prejudice and there's no judgment coming from us. And it's just pure understanding because we know that it's really tough for them to, to go back again. So so they do go back. And when they do finally decide, like you, you'll meet those women in their eyes. You can see that it's, it is this. This is it. This is the deciding moment that I'm not going to go back to him. Yeah. Um, and that you'll you'll see the the strength and that and that in their the fire in their eyes, and then that's where you build it up. And 
for for them staying in the crisis center, I'd say because I sometimes we don't have space in Dana, so I have to find crisis centers everywhere, anywhere, for them. So it really differs. Um, for now, Dana has the social workers, the psychologists, and also they have the aftercare. They call it. So when women go out uh, after finding the apartments, they get assistance and being asked to come back to Dana to have the workshops and trainings, different trainings with our um, social workers as well as psychologists, how to go about being alone again and to navigate through the system. But some crisis centers don't have that, unfortunately, and it is actually a need if we can have it for everybody, all the crisis centers in Denmark, to have that. All right. Last time also when I visit your center, yeah. you told me some women, they are there with their kids. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit the kids, kids' situation in Dana Center? We also have psychologists for the children in Dana. Um, we have 18 apartments in Dana that can house uh, a woman and their child. Um, the child has to be, of course, below 18. Yeah, Below yeah. 18, and then it's the psychologist, child psychologist works with the children as well because sometimes they're the ones who are hidden in that, because uh, sometimes the moms would say that the fight is always on closed doors, but the kids are very smart and, yeah. and uh, they know what's happening. And so there's a support with that for the children. Uh, yeah. What about school? The schools, it depends, because some, some of the children, I think some couple of years ago, we had a daycare center in Dana, oh. but we ran out of funding for that, so that was closed down. So for the women who are, who have children in schools, the, it's like a normal daily life that they bring their kids to school and then they come home to the house in Dana. Oh, so great. Basically, that's how it is. And we have volunteers as well, who awesome volunteers who give their time to make food and do events for them. So Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you so much. And can I ask also... Um, this is more women or men? I don't know if men also live in the center. Uh, for you want <laughs> for the for the center, it's it's just for women. Mm. But there are shelters for men, or there are um, places for men to get assistance. Oh, I just want to share. Um, you pointed out that you're against men. Um, <laughs> 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 we <laughs> we actually we are we are not against men. We would love to have men get on board in in fighting gender equality, because in a way, um, they have the power to, to change it. Uh, Legislation-wise, in a way, that we can see that men are the ones who are currently on, on the power, so in power, in making policies. So if you can have feminist men on board, then, <laughs> then we could somehow change things. And also, I was once asked if I, because of my job, hated men. And my answer was, no. I just realized I'm so lucky to have an amazing husband. Because <laughs> <laughs> so you actually appreciate the beautiful and good men that are actually out there. The one thing that Michael Kimmel pointed out at the European Council uh, Conference on Gender Equality, that men, see, men tend to see gender equality as a woman's issue. And I think it's an issue for both of us, mm -hmm. for all of us to fight for. And it's not a game where men will lose something, but it's it's a place where women will be empowered and to participate in equal with men. So I think it's very important to state. 
Yeah, and you also stated, uh, additionally, you said, um, we, cannot, we cannot empower women unless we include men. And supporting gender equality is just the right thing to do. So it, it, it's men should actually be involved. And it's just that <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I have a little boy, so I'm quite um, <laughs> <laughs> powerful when it comes to having unboxing as well the, the gender stereotypes when placed to men and boys and girls that there's a tendency that men are pushed into a situation that they have to be to man up. What does manning up mean anyway? So so that's that's where we could also work from from small boys and small girls to give them the opportunities that yeah. Unbox basically the stereotypes. <laughs> My husband tried to say woman up. I'm not really sure what he means, <laughs> but I really do like him for trying. <laughs> Thank you. And then I think um, we will have the last sang song that you chose. So if you can just somehow um, explain yeah. a little bit about it. I think the title um, s explains it. it that it's a fight song, basically. And uh, the gender stereotypes, violence against women is a fight that everybody needs to fight for not just men not just women but everybody not not eth not just ethnic minority group but also the danish society not just the ones in power or empowered or not in power but also the empowered ones so it's a uh, it's to end gender violence we have to be we have to have a collective effort to actually end it so this would be our fight and this is the fight song <laughs> Like a sailboat on the ocean, <laughs> sending big waves in motion. Like how sing art can make a heart open. I might only have one match, but I can make an explosion. And all those things I did say already moves inside my brain. I'll scream loud tonight. Can you hear my voice this time? This is my fight song.
Yes, and we're back, and we're almost done with today's program about uh, structural violence, domestic violence, violence against all kinds of gender. gender. Um, and lastly, I would uh, ask you, Eden, maybe to share a little bit about also a lot of the structural violence going on in Denmark in the, in the camps. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, uh, I'm a bit lucky. I, I live long time in the camp, uh, the reception center, Sandholm, and uh, for a while also center Road 2011. Thank, I can say thanks God. I don't have l the men who live in the camp uh, disturbing me, like uh, you know. But uh, as I heard from the women's club in Trampoline House, uh, we often talk about what's happening in the camp. So, so many women, they are talking about, you know, they are disturbing. The men came knock the door in the middle of the night and uh, they jump from the window. And, uh, you know, in the camp, most mostly camps, they have like sharing toilets. You know, in the corridor, man and woman, they live in the same building. So in the night, when you go to use the toilet, the men hiding somewhere and then they follow you next to the room. So many women, they have a lot of problems. So the reason why, because in the camp system in Denmark, we it's not like, pri not private, like safety. Uh, because men and women, family, we live in the same place. My experience, for example, when I've been in Norway 2009, uh, it's, I never hear this kind of, uh, you know, women's violence in the camp with men and men also disturbing a woman like sexually. Uh, you know, in Norway, uh, women, uh, they have their own house and single men also, they have uh, their own uh, house and the family also they have a private house so we are not like living the same like Denmark so the reason why a lot of problem uh, going on in Denmark because we have the same place there is no place like women's women's and men or family so all of us we live in the same center so it's very difficult to protect women themselves uh, sometime also when the issue is going to uh, police or the center and then they said, yeah, you are the one, you know, uh, give him like uh, opportunity or uh, yeah, from the staff, this kind of answer they get. Uh, they get. And then uh, if you are asylum seekers, if you have a Danish man doing something violence sexually or relationship violence, uh, it doesn't mean anything if you go to the police because you don't have uh, like a resident permits, you are still asylum seekers. So they think you want to use that case like for the case, you know, like to make it your case is stronger. So that's very difficult uh, to be a woman in the camp, as I know, or as I heard from other women. Yeah, thank you. 
and yeah. There's a need for gender, gender perspective. Yeah. And there is no real gender perspectives in the camps in Denmark, uh, and not even for queers or for like in other countries. You take uh, like um, yeah accountabilities for these differences and try to make private rooms for differences. But in Denmark, this is not the case. Um, and maybe I also just want to point point out mm, like just the fact of the camps is like structural violence against uh, not only women but also men and this is also you cannot um, seek help from the danish states mm. because you are subjected to violence from the danish state in a way and this is like uh, for me it's like this is the problem with the camps that they are they are kind of a structural violence because you you're so limited in in the in the ways that of movement of uh, being able to work like it's the same mechanisms as if you're in the violent relationships that you have all these barriers mm -hmm. that someone is telling you you cannot do this you cannot do this you cannot do this it's actually being in a violent relationship with the camp mm -hmm. and there's nothing to do about it yeah. because you cannot complain um, or th at least this is my analysis of uh, yeah. of some of these camps um, of course, it's not everyone who feels this way, but it's just from being there and from talking with people. So on this uh, happy note, <laughs> I don't know if you... Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you want to add something that uh, maybe about this organization, if you're having uh, some meetings coming up that you want to share with our listeners. Oh, we're actually going to have uh, to shake it up, as a, to shake it up a bit, and bring the discussion up further, higher. Um, we have uh, an event in June five, Gron Day. How do you say it in English? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we will have the three of us. Uh, our colleague here is not uh, is not present, but she, her name is Kifa. Uh, Lila and I we will be having a panel debate as well about the structural barriers, structural viol violence that you've mentioned, um, and how to go about it, and how how can the Danish state or do something about it. And highlight the fact that the barriers that these women mean, meet, even though they're so uh, different because they come from different parts of the world, that the barriers are actually very much alike. And that's what we're going to show, because um, at, at the beginning, we thought that we would switch our stories, the testimonies that we have from the women, and then make people guess where they were from. We realized it didn't make no sense because the stories were very much alike. Migrant women um, suffers from isolation and visa, and there are so many things that goes across. Yeah, I agree. So... We would like to invite you on the 5th of June to come over. Actually, it's going to be in the Dana house. Mm. Um, we opted to use the house because there's some stigmatization about um, crisis centers. So that's one way to open up and welcome people to come into the house as well and see for see themselves the house. You've been there. Great. And the last song we're going to play is uh, chosen by Eden. So maybe you can just introduce mm. your song. Uh, yeah.
Yeah, my song, uh, it's from Bombarli, No Woman, No Cry, because sometimes women, you know, they don't have, if they don't have friend or if they are afraid to share the fear, they cry. I'm crying. So that's the Bombarli song, explain No Woman, No Cry. That's that. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you to for you to come <laughs> today. Thank it was really nice. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you so much for listening to our program today. We hope that you learned something and uh, we will keep on talking about uh, women's issues, gender gender issues in these programs. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you for listening our program. Today we are talking about women issue. I hope you enjoy. If you would like to contact Katri, uh, Chris, um, Therese and <laughs> Laila, uh, of course, anytime they are welcoming any woman, if you have any problem. So Laila and uh, Therese, thank you for coming. Thank you yeah. for having us. Have thank a good you. evening. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you and goodbye.